Hello, Leon. All right. Yes, today is Mother's Day, a day set aside to honor our moms. And since we're studying the book of Proverbs right now, I thought, hey, why not go into Proverbs 31 to kind of kick us off? So we're going to be looking at Proverbs 31, uh, talking about that Proverbs 31 uh, woman. And I know this week I kind of brought this up to a couple different women. They were like, oh, that's just going to be real encouraging. But wait, you wait to the end to see if it's encouraging or not. All right. Proverbs 31.10 tells us that a woman of character is worth more than fine rubies. It's worth, you know, whatever treasure you can come up with. A woman of true character is, is worth more than it all. And in some versions of the, of the, of the Bible, they use the word uh, like, like um, vict- uh, uh, victorious or victor, um, virtuous. The word, the word virtue or the word virtuous has, means might. It means ability. It's the same word that they use sometimes to talk about men who are going into battle. This virtuous, this woman of character. It has the idea that a woman of character or a woman of virtue can take on whatever is put in front of her. There's nothing that can stand in her way. The point is that a good wife Okay, a good mom is worth more than all the treasures, any, any treasures this earth can offer to us. A woman of character is worth more than anything this world has to offer. Verse 11, it tells us that her husband has full confidence in her. And in verse 12, it says that she brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. Now, to do that, a woman needs to be something special. And here's what she needs to be. And this is something I believe that, that women are, and they're a little better at it than men. But a woman of character like this, and to put herself in that position, needs to be a person willing to sacrifice. And as I look around this room, and I think about the women in this church, that's what comes to my mind. That you are women who are willing to sacrifice, who are willing to put other people's needs above your own. And honestly, I don't mean to pick on the men this morning, but in reality, I believe women do that better than men do. Women are willing to sacrifice a little better than we are. Now, I'll say all kinds of nice things about you on Father's Day, but even on Father's Day, I can't lie and say that you're a better sacrificer than the women around you, because that would not be true. Women are really good at sacrificing for others. In verses 13 through 15, it tells us that her family can depend on her. Now, as I go through this, I want you, as the the ladies here, the women here, I want you to to not think of the specifics as I I go through this. I want you to think of the principles that are involved here. The principles. Because as I read through this myself, I said, you know what? This woman in Proverbs 31, this Proverbs 31 woman, she's got nothing on you. She really doesn't. And as I walk through, you'll see. I mean, wonderful, wonderful picture of what a woman can be and a woman should be. But as I read through this, no one here should be kind of hanging their heads. I know, I know most of you, okay? I know most of you. I know what you're capable of. I know what you do every day. So this was encouraging for me to read through and to think of the women in my life and in this church. So don't get caught up in the specifics here. It says that she seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hands in verse 13. What that's saying is basically that she makes sure that her family has clothing. They have the clothes that they need. Okay, so, so she provides clothing for her family. This is not a lazy person. This is a person who's willing to get her hands dirty. She'll do whatever she needs to do to make sure the people around her are taken care of. It says, like a merchant ship, this woman brings food from afar in verse 14. 
You know, it was interesting to kind of think about that. Um, what, what this to me is describing, as I read through the commentaries too, is this is a woman who makes sure that her family is not, in, in, our, in our vocabulary, is not all stressed out. It's a woman who takes responsibility, who looks around and sees what needs to be done for her family and for those around her, especially in her family unit, and makes sure the rest of the family is not all stressed out. Does it sound familiar? It should. Does this ring any bells? Where's my... I can't find my... Does anyone know where I put my... Is that... Am I in your house? Right. Exactly. No, I don't have to be in your house. I'm in my house. You know, I, I, you know, we don't, man, we don't know where things are. We have a really difficult time finding out where, where things are. This is, this is, these are true stories, okay? I'll be standing downstairs, and, and you guys can just come along with me. But I'll be standing downstairs, and I'll say, Deb, where's the, and it could be a can. Remember Y2K when we all stocked up because we thought the world was going to end? All right. It could be a tuna can about this big sitting on the shelf. And we're like, hey, where's the tuna? And where are you standing? I'm standing right where you told me to stand, in the shell, you know, the cabinet, whatever. Okay, here's what I want you to do. First, reach your right hand out and move the whatever out of the way. Oh, yeah, it could be behind something. You know, men don't realize that things can hide. We're like little children. If we can't see it, it doesn't exist. You know what I mean? It's ready. Move it out of the way. And then you say, now take your hand, reach straight out, move it to the right, and then grab it. Oh, there it is. I couldn't find it. I was standing in the supermarket one time. This is the truth, okay? I get on the phone. I'm like, I'm telling you, it's not here. Uh, I, looked, I looked down the whole entire aisle. It's not here. Of course, I don't want to ask where it is, the person uh, around me, the person who works there. And so I call my wife and I said, Debbie, you know, where, I, I'm telling you, it's not here. She said, where are you standing? I'm standing right in front of the Tylenol PM. Okay, take two steps, three steps to your right. One, two, three. Now look down about 30 degrees, you know what I mean? Stick your and and it's right there. I mean, she could guide me on the phone while I was in the supermarket to find out what it was. It was incredible. I was like, you know, (laughs) does she have like a little camera? She saw a camera in my shirt or something. How did she do that? How did she do it? They're just amazing that way. So, you know, women, women um, will make sure to the best of their ability, that they function in a way so the whole house is not stressed out. They kind of have everything laid out and kind of in order. They know how, what's going on so that they keep everyone else from kind of freaking out in the, in the family. Verse 15 says that they, she gets up while it's still dark. Now, here's where I leave, lose some of you, right? You thought, <laughs> you're like, man, it was right. I had the whole tuna can thing down, and now you had to bring up the darkness issue. It's not, not you know, what that's saying is that the women, the women, moms, okay, women, make sure that they're taking care of their family and others first. Okay, that's what it's talking about here. She'll do whatever she needs to stay up till really late, get up while in the morning while it's still dark. She's got it all down. She's going to make sure that her family, that those around her come first. And that's what women are all about. I mean, that's really my, my mom, my wife, the women around me. That's what it's all about. They make sure that the people around them come first. And this, this Proverb 31 woman has a house filled with people. The Bible kind of lays out there's a lot of people in this house that depend on her. And she's going to make sure that she does her best to come through for the people around her. Now, you may be thinking, wow, again, wow. I mean, uh, you know, how, how, how do I measure up to that? Well, one of the, one of the 
ladies this past week, one of the women uh, this past week, not in my family, but someone outside of my family who I was talking to, I, you know, I was talking through this and Proverbs 31 woman, she kind of started going, oh, that's going to be fun tomorrow, you know, and, and then she said, but just remember that woman had servants, right? It's true. It's true. She had servants. Now, you know, she had to take care of the servants and make sure. But I'm telling you, it's a little easier with servants running around helping you out, delegating things and all by yourself. What you guys have to do, which is pretty much delegate it all to yourself and kind of get it all done. So, uh, again, when you say, well, how could you measure up here? Well, I think you all measure up very well. I think I think the women that are in this church, the women that I know in my life measure up very well to this woman. Replace some of the details that we have in Proverbs 31. Just replace the details because this was thousands of years ago and bring it up to modern times. And I would say you measure up just fine. This Proverbs 31 woman, she never had to drive three or four kids to soccer games five days a week, along with juggling work sometimes and and deal with all the details of, of food preparation and this and that and the other thing and going to school and making sure that this person has what they need here, taking phone calls while you're doing something else. You know, you know, that you guys measure up just fine. Thank you very much. If you look in your own lives and you take this and don't you know, replace the details that we're talking about, you measure up absolutely fine. Verses 16 through 18 tells us she was a shrewd businesswoman who makes wise investments it says she considers a field and buys it. From her profit, she plants a vineyard, verse 16. Apparently, she was able to buy this field and then sell the field for more money than she bought it for. So she's pretty shrewd here. She was able to, to buy it, sell it, and, and, and pay for it. Again, in this situation, I say, well, you never went out and bought a vineyard. But you know what? As I look at our church and what we've been through the last 11 years, I say, check this one off for you as well. And I'll tell you why. We're one of the only churches in the country that have business trees. Some of the things that we do in our church are completely outside the box. A lot of things we do are outside the box. And it's not just the men who are helping run these business trees. It's the women For years, the women have been engaged in supporting and involved in frontline issues within the business trees. And along with that, I thought about this economy. You know, this economy we're in is very difficult. I know so many women within the church who now have to go back into the workforce to make sure they're taking care of the needs of their own family because maybe their husband lost their job or because of the way things are going, gas prices and maybe the job that her husband had received is not as much pay as before. So in order to keep the family going, she has to step out and work part-time. Whatever the case may be, you all measure up here under a lot of stress and a lot of strain. You measure up. You're doing exactly the same types of things that this woman was doing. So it's from her prophet, she buys plants and she plants a vineyard. I thought that was really funny. And a lot of this is all, this is Jeff interjecting his own thoughts in this as well. Okay, I, I, I studied, I read my commentaries, but I have my own little thoughts here as well. She goes out and she buys a vineyard. Well, let's be honest. If you look at all she has to do in Proverbs 31, I, I, that's a really good thing for her to do is get out there, buy a vineyard, you know what I mean, and plant, get, get, get out in the vineyard. And I'll tell you, one of the reasons I think, I think she bought a vineyard and went out there is because she was sick and tired of hearing, Mom, 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 honey, Mom, Mom. So she's like, I'm, I'll be out in the vineyard. I'll be, I'll be way out in the vineyard if you guys need me out in the vineyard. Because poor moms, think about it. Moms can't even go to the bathroom without being bothered. You know, you go into the bathroom, it's like, Mom, Mom, are you in there? Mom, right? Constantly. So the woman buys a vineyard, she goes out into the vineyard, it's like a little relaxation time. You know, get away from all these servants and all these people want all my time, all the time. 
Now, again, they're not, you're saying, well, I, I don't know, where's that in Proverbs 31? I didn't read that. That's my own little uh, add-on to uh, what I think might have happened. In verse 17, verse 17, it says this, She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for the task. She was a tireless worker. This woman was a tireless worker. The word vigorously here is an expression of someone who's preparing for a, a, a really serious time of work. So she's, she's vigorous. She prepares. She doesn't just you know, let things happen. She's getting ahead of the game. She's laying it all out. That's why she's getting up early. Maybe she's staying up late. Whatever it takes. But she's vigorous. She's not going to let things just happen to her. This is a woman who's not afraid to take on the tasks that is put before her. Whatever they are. She's up for it. She's up for dealing whatever she has to deal with. She's going she's gonna to do it. I, I, know I, I have a little, little side note from my, my own mom. My mother, when I was growing up, was, I've told you this before, it was just me and my mom, and I was growing up in a one-bedroom apartment with my mom in New York. And I remember my mom would do the same thing as this Proverbs 31 woman do. She, she was vigorous. Whatever it took to make sure she took care of me, she did. I remember one time that she, we were, I, I grew up basically wearing colored T-shirts and colored sweatshirts and a couple pair of jeans and, and maybe one pair of sneakers. And that was my wardrobe. And not because my mom wouldn't like me to wear something else, but that was kind of cheap and we were poor. And, uh, and I liked wearing it. It was, you know, simple, and I, I liked wearing that kind of thing. And I remember one time it was really getting tight. It was tight all the time, but it was really tight. And so my mom went to, uh, to like, the social services or whatever, and she was asking. She said, you know, I, I don't, all I need is $30, you know, more per month, and it would really, really help me out. You know, it would help buy a little more food or maybe buy some clothing or whatever else. And they told her either you take it all or you get nothing. So she had to either quit her job, she had to quit her job, or get nothing. My mom would not quit her job. She would not quit her job. She was vigorous. My mother wanted to provide for me. She wanted to provide things that we needed. And so she stuck to that job. My point is that, that women will do what they need to do to protect their own, to protect their families, to protect the people around them. They're not weak. They're emotionally, physically, spiritually strong people who will do what they need to do in order to accomplish what they need to accomplish. Verse 18 says that she makes, uh, she makes sure that her, her trading is profitable and that her lamp, it says her lamp doesn't go out at night. This means that she's, she's not cutting corners here. This woman is not going to cut corners. She's not going to take the easy road. She's going to do what's necessary. She's, what she sells and she trades is quality material. She's a quality person. She's not going to cheat anybody else. She's not going to try to slip anything in. She does what needs to be done, and she works with quality material. She's a quality person. Her lamp does not go out at night. means maybe a couple of different things. I'll share a couple of thoughts here. One, that a woman of character, okay, she is someone who burns the midnight oil. If, if it needs to be done, if she needs to stay up longer, if she needs to work harder, whatever, she's going to do that. She's going to make sure that she does what needs to be done. However, this could also mean that she's going to, she's going to make sure that her house flourishes without controversy. She's going to make sure that her house flourishes without calamity. She is prepared. She's a woman who's prepared. Again, this is what I see in you, in the women here in our church. This is what I see in the women in my own home, my daughters and my wife. This is what I saw in my own mother. Preparation. 
People aren't letting things just happen to them and to their families. They are ready. They are prepared. They are strong. I'll never forget saying the word strong. I'll never forget my mom. Remember Helen Reddy's song, I Am Woman, Hear Me Roar? Remember that song, anybody? Okay. I'm sorry. I don't like that song because my mom used to blare that all the time. I am woman, hear me roar. You know, it was like, you know, it's like, go get a mom. After a while, it's like, oh, my goodness, heard enough of Helen Reddy. But my mom, that's, you know, that's, that was, that's a woman. I am woman, hear me roar. You know, I, I'm going to take on whatever needs to be taken on to do what I need to do to protect and take care of those who are around me. And verse 19 through 21, it kind of lays out to us that she's not just taking care of the people around her, which she certainly is doing, but she's also taking care of the poor, people who are in need. She's taking care of the poor and those who are, who are hurting. The text says that she, she's opening up her arms. She opens her arms to the poor. What that means is that, it, what that text means that she's being, she's being liberal in a sense. Well, she's, she, she makes sure that she gives all that she has to those who she sees who are hurting. I want to tell you something. Every single one of us, male or female, need women in our lives. And I'll tell you why. Because they teach us things sometimes that men can't teach. Women are compassionate. I know men are too, but I'm just being general here. Women can teach compassion empathy, sympathy. They look at, they look at the world and the situations they're able to, to train and point out to, the, to their children how they should treat other people when they're hurting. They allow us to express our emotions by teaching us how to express our emotions, that it's okay to feel certain things. It's okay to cry. It's okay to talk. It's okay to share how you're feeling with those around you. Women teach us those things. Men many times don't teach those things. I'm not saying never. What I'm saying is that God has given us women in our lives to help us and to learn those kinds of things because we all need them. There's something, there, there are things that we desperately need and that many times only women can teach us at that level. See, God expects his people to be, to be caring and compassionate to those who are in need. And, and this woman understands that. What she's doing is she's following in the footsteps of Jesus Christ. I mean, from our perspective, she was following in, in the ways of God. She knew that God wanted his people to take care of those who were in need. And so she's following the very heart of God. In James chapter 1, verse 27, it says, Religion that our God and Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. That's what she's doing. She's making sure that her arms are open, not only to her own family, her immediate family and to her extended family, but also those who are hurting or in need. That's what she's doing. She's setting that example. And I have to tell you, um, I've seen this in the life of the women in our church. Every single day this goes on in the church. Even at the women's retreat, you know, they were, they were putting together items to be sent to Nigeria that could be used, uh, manipulatives, I think they're called. Is that right? Manipulatives? All right. They were manipulatives and they, they laminated them and they were able to be used in the school there that we built in Nigeria. And it was one of the best things that we brought to Nigeria because the teacher there was so, Teresa was so excited to have them and she just was so, she couldn't believe that we made these. It's our women, the women in this church don't just take care of people locally around them. They take care of people globally. So again, I say check that one off for the, for the Proverbs 31 woman sitting all around me. 
Our women care about the needs of the people in their own families, in their own communities, and around the world. Verse 21 tells us that the woman is not afraid. This woman is not afraid when the snow comes or when it's cold because her family is clothed with, in scarlet. In scarlet. The word scarlet could mean two cloaks suggesting kind of a double layer, a double layer of clothing to make sure her family is kept warm. But it, it, it also could mean that, uh, that, that scarlet could mean that it's made of a wool that kind of retains the warmth. Whichever, whichever way you go, it doesn't matter. What this woman is doing is making sure that when, when difficulties come, her family is taken care of. You know, we talked about the, a sluggard a few weeks ago. And a slugger lays around the summertime, the spring and summer is just, you know, eating whatever is, you know, there and having a grand old time. But then all of a sudden fall and winter comes and that person's like with their hands in their pockets going to shuffle around going, hey, why don't you take care of me? Why don't you give me something? I'm entitled to this or I should have that. You, you have so much. Why can't you give me some of what you have? Well, that's the slugger. This woman and the women that I am surrounded by are the opposite of a slugger. They're prepared. They don't wait for the snow to come. They don't wait for the cold to come. They prepare beforehand to make sure that their family is taken care of. I remember, you ever, you ever see a guy sometimes when his wife's not around, take the kids out when it's really cold? And you're like, you don't want to report or anything, but you're like, hey, man, put some socks on your kid, you know, Get, put some warmth there. I remember when we were in Massachusetts, it's like 20 below zero sometimes. And the girls, I don't remember those, those, those little suits, those little snow suits. I'd be able to pick them both up by the scruff of their necks and just carry them around because they were kind of like this. They could move their fingers and toes and that was about it. They were just snuggy. Those poor kids were sweating. It was 20 below zero. You know what I'm saying? These were warm kids. These were warm children. So the same thing here. That, you know, my wife took care of our children. I, I obviously did too, but she took care. She made sure they were sweating in 20 below zero. They were happy, sweating kids, all right? Happy kids. Ask them. <laughs> Verses 22 and 23 says, She makes covering for her bed. She is clothed in, clothed in fine linen and purple. Her husband is respected at the city gate where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. This is saying her husband's important. He's an important man. He sat at the city gate. You know what I mean? I'm thinking to myself, yeah, well, there's no football in NASCAR. What else is the dude going to do? You know what I'm saying? You know, his wife's basically doing everything else, buying things, doing business, whatever. So he's got nothing else to do but sit at the city gate. That's not what it means. That's certainly not what it means. The gate was a place where the, where the elders of the community would assemble who had judicial responsibility. So this man that we're describing here, this woman's husband, was probably someone who had that judicial responsibility, who was in charge of helping to judge the people. So this was, this was an important role. He had a job, but this was an important role that he would take on. He was an important man. You know, when I read this, I started thinking to myself, you know, it is, it's really incredible what, what two people can accomplish if they're working together. You know, they say behind every great man is a great woman and all those kinds of things. And I, I totally agree. I totally agree. And, 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 and I'm just this, putting it in a simple way. I just think it's amazing what two people, what a, a man and a woman coming together as a team, when two become one, when they support each other and encourage each other and love each other and come around each other and give each other what, what the other person needs, it is amazing what those two people can accomplish together. They will be successful. I read a, a real simple 
funny story uh, this week that I wanted to share with you. It says the president and the first lady were walking through the streets of Washington, which obviously the president does all the time. Uh, they saw one of the first ladies, uh, former boyfriends, collecting garbage. The president said, aren't you glad you didn't marry him? You'd be married to a garbage man. The first lady said, had I married him, he'd be president. And I, <laughs> I was like, yes. <laughs> I love it. And that's so true, isn't it? It's so true. It's so true. When two people become one, when two people are supporting each other, when two people are encouraging each other, you know, I am the man I am today because of the women in my life. I love my, my father. I love the men who are a part of my life growing up. I had a great I had an uncle who was fantastic. But the reality is the man I am today is predominantly due to the women that I had in my life. Because even though I was, uh, my father, did, I didn't grow up with my dad, my mom did everything she could to put me around the right people, to have the right resources. I mean, you know, I am the person I am today because I have had good women then and now in my life. Verse 24 says, she makes linen garments and sells them. She supplies the merchants with their sashes. Again, this is no lazy sluggard. Okay, this is no lazy sluggard. She expressed her skills by engaging in business. She expressed her skills by engaging in the marketplace. The, 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 the weaving of fine linens was, was a, a common trade for women in Palestine at this time. But she engaged in those things. She, she did what, again, she did what she needed to do to make sure that her family, those around her, were being taken care of. Verse 25 tells us that she was willing to take, she was willing to take it all in stride. It's kind of what it, what it means. You know, she was willing to take it in stride. This was a woman who was not going to just let the world push her around. And, and as the world came, as, as the things came to her, she was prepared. She was ready. She wasn't going to worry about tomorrow. She wasn't going to worry about next week or next month because she knew that she was a person who was diligent. She was on top of things. And not only that, but she had God on her side. God was going to help her through the difficulties that were ahead. So she took it all in stride. She took it all in stride. She didn't just let things happen to her. She was confident in herself because she was industrious. Verses 26 and 27 tells us that she, she knows how to use her words. It says that she speaks wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. This is so important. She uses good, practical wisdom, good, practical, common sense when she speaks and when she gives instruction, it's trustworthy. It's reliable. It's reliable. When she speaks, you, you, can, you, can, you can trust what this woman is saying. It says that she watches over the affairs of her household, verse 27. That means she makes sure that her family is doing what's right. You know, I mean, there's, there's, there's discipline involved. There's encouragement involved. I remember uh, when I was in Massachusetts, there was a person that we were really close to, and she was a, a flight attendant. And she, she was telling a story one time that, you know, all her friends had parents, moms especially, who when they did something, when they did something, they, they, were, they were on their kids. If they, if they went out and said they'd be back at a certain time, they didn't come back at a certain time, the mom said you were grounded, the dad said you were grounded. And I'll never forget what she said. She said her mom would just say, ah, oh, you know, come in when you want. Oh, that's fine. I don't care. This woman said that she would pretend 
that she was grounded. She would tell her friends when they called, oh, I'm sorry, I can't go out and grounded for what we did last week because she recognized that her mother didn't even care about her. Because a mom makes sure that things are being done right in her home. A mom stays on top of these things. A mom sure is, is, is trying to guide and direct her child in the way that child should go. And doesn't say, I don't care what time you come in. Ah, that's fine. No big deal. I want to be a cool mom. That's not what a mom does. And that, this, this, this grown woman I was talking to knew that and lied and told her friends she was grounded because she was so embarrassed that her mom was not helping her do what was right. I'll never forget it. It says she doesn't eat the bread of idleness. She doesn't eat the bread of idleness. She sets a good example. You know, my wife, my wife's amazing when it comes to um, when it comes to engaging other women and talking to especially younger women about what's going on in their lives, what's going on in their families. They'll ask her all the time, how do I handle this and how do I do that? I want my kids to act this way, and, 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 which is good. We're, this, is what we, this is what Deb and I live for. I mean, this is what, why God has called us. We want to invest in people's lives. But it's amazing for me to watch her interact with people and the wisdom that she gives and the guidance that she gives. And, I'll, and you know, we, we, were, we had a class recently, and we were talking to some of the, some of the parents in this class, and I like to sit back and listen to Deb talk because she, she adds such wisdom to, to all of it. She, one person was asking, and I noticed recently she was talking to people as well, and they said, well, how do you get your kids to be more patient? My kid is not patient. And Deb said, if you want your child to be patient, then you need to be patient when you're in the car. You need to, you need to show them what is it to be patient. When they're doing something, in, instead of losing your time, show them what it means to be patient. I want my church. My child never apologizes. They never say they're sorry for anything. If you want your child to apologize, then you need to apologize when you're wrong. They need to see you apologizing to them, but they also need to see you apologizing to other people. If you want to them to, to learn how to say they're sorry and apologize, then you need to be able to apologize as well. Well, I'll tell you, my kids, they complain too much. If you want your kids to stop complaining, then you need to stop being critical and complaining all the time as well. You need to set an example of what it means. I'm not, just, I'm not picking on the women here. I'm talking about par- parenting in general. But you need to be the kind of parent that doesn't complain and doesn't, and doesn't criticize those. Uh, you know, I, I, want my, I want my child to, to do this or I want them to do that or whatever the case may be. In order for those things to happen, maybe resolving conflict. You say, well, I want my, ch- my children, they are always fighting. They don't know how to resolve conflict. If you want your child to resolve, resolve conflict, then when you're in a disagreement with your husband or your wife, then you need to, because you're arguing in front of them, you need to resolve that conflict in front of them so they see how to resolve conflict. My friends, more is taught than, more is caught than taught. More is caught by example than is taught by your words. We need to be living that out in our own lives. And a lot of that wisdom, a lot of that wisdom comes from mothers. Being that, because you're around your children sometimes more than your husband, most of the time more than your husband. A mom's going to set that example of what it means to be patient, what it means to, you know, to, to resolve conflict, how, how, you, how you, you show your children to, to speak and the words that they use. Those are all important things, and more is caught than taught. Verse 28 says, her children rise up and call her blessed. At this point, you think, I just want to slap this woman. You know what I mean? <laughs> I made it all the way through, but my goodness, you know, I, you know, <laughs> I'm sorry. You just want it's like her children, the people in the just they rise up and oh, mom, you are just they they, they wipe their eyes and I'm, I'm, you've all had this experience, I know. They you, they wipe their eyes and say, oh, mom, you are you are just something else, you know, you are 
boy, oh man, you know, what do you get? You get growled at, right? They rise up and growl, call you names, tell you to get away, mind your own business, leave me alone, right? That's what they do. That's what's happening. You don't get the rise up and call you blessed. I'm going to tell you something. We have a problem in our American family culture. We really have a problem, a big problem with how we interact, especially with our moms. We have a problem, and the problem is we're not thankful. We don't know how to express our thanks and our encouragement, especially to our moms. We, we, will, we will bite and we will carry on. And, you know, and I'll tell you something. It is really hard to give and give and give and have no one thank you for it. It is very difficult for someone, for a mom to give. And you know what we think sometimes? Well, what was what moms were put in the earth to do that. It's an expectation. Mom was put on this earth to meet all of my physical, emotional, spiritual needs. That's just what God created her for. And so you really don't have to thank her because it's like, you know, you know, that's what they do. That's what moms do. And so why thank her? That's ridiculous. We should be rising up and praising and thanking her. But we don't do that because I'll tell you, I think one of the reasons is, is that we, um, that we, we kind of have a problem with looking how we look at the world. And here, here's what I'm going to back up before I get there. Here's, here's what I see as well. Moms will go outside of the house and engage maybe in work or, or in the school or they'll volunteer for something. And outside of the home, it's, man, you're amazing. I don't know what we would do without you. You're so organized. You're so this. You're incredible. And they get all this encouragement and all this praise and everything else, all this love outside of the home. And they get home and do ten times as much. And it's like, uh, that's what mom's supposed to do. That's her job. That's her job. It's, it's, It's just amazing to me. And here I think part of the problem is, part of the problem is that we... We live together in our homes, and so we see our mother's faults and mistakes. You know, they're not perfect. They're not always patient, and they're not always, they don't always use the right words. They don't to, so we see the mistakes they make, and so therefore we feel justified in, in not treating them a certain way because we, we, we know, we all know the inner workings of each other. Well, here, let me give you a reality check here. No one is perfect. We are all human. Moms, if you touch her, she actually is made of flesh and blood, okay? She isn't perfect. Which one of us would like to be judged for all our faults and failures? Anybody here? Is that how you want to be judged? Is that how you want to be treated? Based upon your faults, based upon your failures? Absolutely not. So what I'm saying is give your mom a stinking break. Give her a break. She's only a person. She's only human. Give her some encouragement. Give her some encouragement. Little little side note here. Your mother is actually one long time ago, not very long, but a, you know, a few years back, she was a little girl. A little girl. Just walking around, doing little girl stuff. And then she grew up. And something amazing happened when she grew up. She kept her emotions, believe it or not. I mean, when you tell her, I hate you, I can't, you know, you, you're this, you're whatever, when you attack her verbally, when you don't thank her, when you're not encouraging, when you're, when you're discouraging, she actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share something with that. It's, it's, the news is going to hear about this and put it on the front page. She actually feels it. You know what she does? She goes to bed at night when you're not there. She holds a straight face and she cries herself to sleep. 
because you said horrible things to her. And of course, she's still going to love you for the rest of your life. You could run over with a train and she'd still jump in front of the train for you. So what the heck? Why, why, you know, why, why not say whatever you want to your mom? Because she's like a zombie robot, right? She doesn't feel anything. If she turned around and said the same things to you, you'd be crushed and go and tell an Oprah in a couple of years about how hard your mom, how terrible your mom, mom was, right? But it's okay for it to be flipped around and for us to just annihilate verbally, okay, in every other way, our mom. It's ridiculous, honestly. We need to change a little bit here. Get our acts right. Your mom was a little girl who grew up and still feels everything. And she is very, people are emotional. Women are emotional as well. And they feel it and they take it to heart. So don't think she just blows it off. She just loves you so much. She doesn't hang on to it and hold it over your head all the time. Quit doing it. Verse 29 says, I am, and I'm paraphrasing. It says, honey, there are a lot of good women out there, but you're the best. You're the greatest. Remember the Honeymooners a long, long time ago, reruns? You know, it's Alice, right? Alice, you're the greatest, you know what I mean? That's basically what it's saying. You know, honey, you're, you're the great. All the women and all their talents, whatever else, but boy, God has given me you and you are the greatest. You know, we need to praise and encourage our wives and our moms, not only in private, but also in public. Don't ever put your wife down in public when she's there or not there, okay, ever. Praise her to the people around you in private and praise her in public. Why? Because she deserves it. Verse 30 tells us charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting. See, real beauty, real beauty comes from the inside, not from the outside. We'll get into that more in detail later on. First Peter 3, 3 and 4 says, your beauty should not come from outward adornment. Now, it's totally fine to wear jewelry and braid your hair. Don't, don't get lost here. Outward adornment, such as braided hair and wearing gold jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. Your beauty, what makes you so special, isn't really what's on the outside. What makes a woman so amazing and so special, because it doesn't matter if she's 18 or 88, what makes them absolutely amazing is who they are on the inside and what they give us on the inside. I had an incredible experience coming home from Mexico. I had passed three kidney stones at one time coming back from a missions trip. I told you the story before. I won't get into it now, but I'm going I'm to give you a little bit of the story. I was sitting in the hospital in Cincinnati here, finally got home, and I was like, yes, I'm on my home turf. I hit the ground. Both uh, Kim and Jen were both there waiting for me. Deb was with me, had taken care of me the whole way there. Got in the car, drove down there. Was, uh, they you know, put me in a little wheelchair and wheeled me up, and they're asking me questions at the window. And while they're asking me questions, I'm sitting in this wheelchair just in agony. I have one, one of my, I call my women. One of my women was rubbing my hair. Hey, Daddy, okay? You know, Deb was holding my hand, rubbing my arm. You know, Kim was on the other side. She was rubbing my shoulders and everything. And the woman asked me, uh, Mr. Greer, do you feel safe at home? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, is this like a trick question or something? You know what I mean? It was, I could, it was the question they have to ask. I understood it. But I, I honestly, was, I laughed at her. I thought she was joking because I had all these people around me. Now, Josh was like, hey, when are we getting out of here? You know what I mean? Buck up, Dad. You know, thank God I didn't have two boys for us. They'd be like, give me wheelchair things and wheel him around the thing. The girls were, and I, honestly, all, all, in all honesty, I'm picturing myself at 80-something, 90-something years old in a hospital. And I thought, you know what? My future looks really good. 
my future looks really, really good being surrounded by these women who are going to take care of me. And I'll tell you something, when you're in the hospital, what you want is you want your women around, boy, because they take care of business. What's that? What is he doing here? You got to blah, blah, blah. You know, they take, they take care of it all. I mean, a lot of people who don't make it through hospitals, they don't have their women around them. That's the problem. So they make mistakes. Well, you have your woman around. You have your women around. I have three of them. They're all over it, baby, asking all the questions. I'm just laying there. Yes, sir, boy. Don't worry about it. Yeah, I sick, I sick her on her and him on it. <laughs> that, you know, that, it's just that's what, that, that's what the women in our lives do. They nurture us. They take care of us. They encourage us. They support us. This is why we have to have that kind of attitude. We care. Students, give your mom a break. Not just today, but honor her. Honor her every day. Why? Because she deserves it. Not just on Mother's Day, she deserves it. Husbands, when was the last time you told your wife how amazing she was? When was the last time you, you encouraged or praised her for all that she does for you and for the family? You see, let's not, here's the bottom line. I don't think that we should just give the women in our lives, the moms in our lives, lip service on Mother's Day. I think we should, I think we should give them the honor that they deserve every day. And I know it's Mother's Day and it's, I'm, you know, I'm the pastor, I talk about moms and all that kind of thing, but I'm being serious here. I think that the, that the women that are around us need to be encouraged and loved and supported and praised, not just on Mother's Day, but every day. Why? Because they deserve it. They deserve it. Let's bow our heads. Father God, thank you, thank you so much for this day that you've given to us. And thank you for the opportunity just to, just to share this, this morning together with the people in our lives, the women in our lives who mean so much to us. Father, I pray that we would truly impress upon our own hearts and that you would impress upon our hearts that we need to show love and respect and honor and encouragement and praise. We need to do those things to the people, the women in our lives, all the time. Not just on one special day, but every day. Thank you, dear God, for giving me the women that I have in my life. For my mother, for my aunts, for, for my daughters, for women that are around me, even in, the, in, the, in the church, this church family, who encourage and support Father, thank you. We all thank you with all of our hearts for the women that we have around us, each man and boy here and child here. We want to thank you out loud, Lord God, for their lives, for what they do for us every single day. I pray that you would, again, impress upon our hearts and remind us, remind us what a privilege it is to have that in our lives. We praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week. We'll see you Wednesday night.